Good evening. Welcome to Pigeon Post. My name is Michael. Thank you for joining us. We are in John 17. And this is kind of like um, the, the mountaintop here of Jesus' teaching because it's actually a prayer that the Son is praying to the Father. And he's praying it for all believers at all times. Uh, things that jump out of this prayer are this relate to this theme of the Father and the Son. That Jesus is actually praying that the things that the Father has with the Son, the relationship of love um, that involves this knowing, this knowledge, um, this joy, this um, truth, this holiness, that He is asking, the Son is asking the Father, make their relationship with each other and their relationship with me. So the church's relationship, believers' relationship with the Son, like the relationship of the Son with the Father. And so there's really high language here of unity, love, and glory. And so, um, yeah, I think we should just dive right in. It's really deep. I always say dive right in. <laughs> it's really deep, so we might need to wade in this time. <laughs> But uh, I think I think you'll enjoy this, and this is these are the last words of Christ before he goes to the cross, and um, there's really this, you know, sense of um, disorientation for the disciples, and really not knowing what's going to happen, and then you know of course we'll see that resolve um, by the end of John, but um, thanks for joining us. Here we go with John chapter 17. The Gospel of John, chapter 17. Jesus said these things, then lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may also glorify you. Even as you gave him authority over all flesh, so he will give eternal life to all whom you have given him. This is eternal life, that they should know you the only true God, and Him whom you sent, Jesus Christ. I glorified you on the earth. I have accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me with your own self, with the glory which I had with you before the world existed. I revealed your name to the people whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours, and you have given them to me. They have kept your word. Now they have known that all things, whatever you have given me, are from you. For the words which you have given me, I have given to them. And they received them, and knew for sure that I came from you. They have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I don't pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All things that are mine are yours, and yours are mine and I am glorified in them. I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them through your name which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. I have kept those whom you have given me. 
none of them is lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and I say these things in the world, that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word. The world hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that you would take them from the world, but that you would keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, even so I have sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. Okay, so Jesus' hour has finally come. We've seen several times in this gospel Jesus say that um, that his hour was not yet come or that it wasn't his time yet. But now it has come. And he has accomplished the work that the Father has given him. And he is about to say it is finished. Right? The work that he has done of manifesting the name of God, of showing, just like John is trying to show us. Jesus shows us the Father, a theme that keeps coming up um, because of his intimate relationship with the Father. Um, he's accomplishing this work, and he said he calls God the only true God and says that eternal life... Um, is that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Guys, it seems so basic and foundational that we are to know God as the only true God. He's the only one. He says in Isaiah, there were none before me, and there are none after me. But I've been listening to different podcasts. I try to kind of keep keep up with what's out there kind of trends, even even with podcasts that say they're about the Bible and stuff like that. And there is so much borderline stuff out there. Um, just, just be aware that John is writing this in a context where there is a competing notions of Jesus that have been sort of coming and going. Um, and we refer to some of these things as Gnosticism. It's this idea that Paul warns us against as well, that there are these plausible arguments. There are these people that have this kind of deeper, kind of mysterious, secret knowledge of God. And they're just going to kind of keep asking these questions. Well, what if this and what if that? And making these plausible connections um, of things that really are not in Scripture. So just be on guard against like deeper knowledge, secret, mysterious, guru-oriented type stuff. I mean, does it sound like the Bible? Does it sound like Christ's words here? Or does it just sound like paganism or um, like a different religion entirely? Um, I know that's quite a side note to, to add here, but I think every word of the Bible is important. And Jesus makes it a point to say that, that God is the only true God, right? And he is the only begotten Son. 
and their relationship is the only thing that matters. We don't need other gods. We don't need other mediators. We don't need other mysterious, deeper, air quotes, religion. We just need Jesus, right? Um, moving on, I think that phrase, glorify me together with yourself with the glory I had with you before the world was. Jesus is affirming his own eternal nature. Jesus was not a man who became God, right? He's not a man who glorified himself by um, achieving something for himself to make himself who he was. Jesus was always who he was and affirms that constantly throughout the gospel. And he even gets more um, definite and bold about it as he's revealing this, right? Because he earlier in John 8, 58, he said, before Abraham was born, I am. And contextually, that was the appropriate thing to say. They were talking about Abraham. Jesus like, I'm before Abraham. And now Jesus is talking about his father. And he's like, I am there with you before the world even was. This is eternal life knowing the Father and the Son as the Father knows the Son. Uh, we're being able to share in something that we have no business sharing in, in this relationship with God. Jesus is doing this for us. Um, he says that, that the Father has given them to himself. So once again, he makes a distinction between the world and those that are his. It's not everybody in the world. It's just not. It says, and in fact, this high priestly prayer, as it's often called, is Jesus interceding for those who know him and will come to know him. He specifically says, I'm not asking these things for the whole world, for every single person in the world. I'm not asking this for everybody in the world. I'm asking it for those that the Father has given to the Son. Um, now he says, he makes these petitions or these requests before God, things that he's asking the Father to do, things the Son is asking the Father to do. He says, keep them in your name. How's Jesus going to lose us? <laughs> We've already covered this in John 10. How's Jesus going to lose us if he says, Keep them in your name. Is God not going to answer the prayer? Of course God's answering the prayer of the Son. He says, keep them in your name. Um, he wants the joy. He wants joy to fill us. And he says, my joy, right? So he wants us to be kept in the name of God. Um, to be kept in joy, filled with joy. He wants us to be kept from the evil one. And he wants us to be sanctified in the truth. And he says, your word is truth. Here's what's cool about this. Each one of those petitions are things that Jesus already has or has done. Okay? Um, so when he says, um, keep them in your name the name which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are. So he's asking the Father to keep them in the name which the Father gave the Son. So it's a, something that's established through the Son. We can't be kept in the Father if we're not in the Son. He says, um, 
that he wants us to have his joy, right? So that they may have joy, my joy, made full in themselves. It's his joy that we're participating or sharing in the joy that Christ has. That's real joy. That is not carnival, um, you know, fluffy bunny, uh, lollipop happiness <laughs> that the world offers. It's fleeting and it's gone. It's like it's like cotton candy. It's as soon as you have it, it's gone. This is the eternal joy that the sun has. I truly believe that Christianity is the religion of joy. And if we don't have joy, if we're just always worried and always burdened, then we're not doing it right. Now, don't hear me wrong. I'm not preaching positive thinking, um, look on the sunny side type stuff. I'm preaching what Jesus is saying here is a complex joy. We saw it with Lazarus, that Jesus can have real emotions and sorrow and weep. But in all of that, he has a deeper joy, a joy that's underneath all of that, that knows the Father, that knows who he is, and knows the work that he does for his people. This is a deep joy. When, when people mention the meaning of life, sometimes I'll just, you know, usually it's a joke, like, oh, what's the meaning of life? And, and even today, I said uh, to somebody, oh, I know the meaning of life. And they said, really, what is it? I said, to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So I just go to that first question of the Westminster Catechism. Um, the chief end of man, the meaning of life, is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Um, that other thing that he asked, sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth. Um, once again, that's something that he has done or has relates to the Father and the Son. Because he said, for their sakes, I sanctify myself. There's nothing that we get that is not by grace alone. Grace is the means by which we have a relationship with God. There's nothing that we do to earn it. There's uh, nothing that we can do to lose it. It is given to us freely. It's an unmerited gift. And it is based on who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And I just love talking about this. Um, lastly, he says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. That phrase, your word is truth, I just want to kind of jump back to what I was saying about false teachers. You know, it's gotten to where they will use the Bible against the Bible. Um, just... The, the only way that we can, or a couple of ways, there's probably lots of ways. I'm just going to mention a couple ways that we can make sure that we are being uh, sanctified and that, that his word is truth to us is, number one, just to stay in the word. You notice we're not, we're not picking out little verses of John and trying to um, teach these big, long, hour-long things about about one verse without quoting other verses in the Bible. We're not stringing together single verses that could be taken out of context. I'm not saying every time somebody quotes a Bible verse that they're taking it out of context. But it's much safer, dear Christian, to 
read an entire book of the Bible. Make your way through the entire book. See if it's ringing true. If I've been teaching anything wrong here, please, number one, call me out on it, okay? But the, the safeguard that's in place, you know, for me, who's just trying to kind of lead us through this, and um, for you as a reader and for the church, and anytime you read the Bible, one of the safeguards is to, to keep in mind the context and to read entire books of the Bible because there's a self-corrective nature there. And we also need to pray, and I'm guilty of not doing this enough, pray that the Holy Spirit would keep us from the evil one, right? That, God, that he would guide us into all truth. Um, pray for that, and that's not a feeling. It's, this is confirmed also in community with one another. We need to read the Bible in community, which is why I love to ask people to read with me, you know, and, and get that interaction. Um, because we really need the community um, in order to, to help. God has sort of put these things together um, that we're reading in community, that we're reading his whole counsel, everything that he has said. Don't skip books. Try to get to all of them uh, at some point. Anyway, enough of the side notes. I had a couple side notes there. and um, But yeah, isn't this good? We're, we're, we're listening. We have the ability to listen to a prayer, a long prayer that Jesus prayed that embodied everything that he wanted to say um, for his people. It's really, really special. And if you're a believer, he's about to mention you in the second half. The Gospel of John, chapter 17, continued. Not for these only do I pray, but for those also who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one." I in them, and you in me, that they may be perfected into one, that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am, that they may see my glory, which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world." Righteous Father, the world hasn't known you, but I knew you, and these knew that you sent me. I made known to them your name, and will make it known, that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. Okay, so Jesus finishes up his prayer um, by saying, oh, I lost it here. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. This is including you and me, and it incorporates the universal church for all time, okay? Unit, the unity of believers of all time is a reality. 
because Jesus is praying for it. We know that his prayer is not going to fail. That doesn't mean that we don't see little divisions and things that um, that disunify us, uh, you know, while we're in the world before, you know, we've been brought fully um, to completion there. But there is a real sense in which we are united as brothers and sisters. We are really, truly family as brothers and sisters in Christ. And, um, yeah, part of that purpose, right, is to, he says, the glory which you have given me, I've given them that they may be one just as we are one. So God's glory keeps coming up in this prayer. Um, we, we need to pray that we would see and live in the reality of God's glory. Um, it'll affect us. It'll change us just like Moses' face would shine with the glory of God. Think about it. If, if, if God's answering these prayers of Jesus, you're going to have the joy of Christ filling you. That's glorious, right? God's going to keep you from the evil one. He's going to sanctify you in the truth. Those are glorious truths which reflect and glorify the Father and the Son as we're sort of standing there in their presence, able to share in the knowing. Um, and, and Jesus once again affirms who he is. It's, it throws us right back into the first chapter of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. What does Jesus say here? That the Father loved the Son before the foundation of the world. This is an eternal, we're not eternal, okay? We weren't always there. <laughs> That's Mormonism, okay? But Jesus and the Father, the Son and the Father were. And by him we were created. And now we are brought into a relationship of love that pre-existed us. We're brought into the family of God. We're given the right to become sons of God. It says in John 1. Okay, um, last couple things here. This is just cool stuff. The world has not known God, right? Jesus says, O righteous Father, although the world has not known you, yet I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. There is this real strong theme in the Bible of knowing Right? And, and that's something that I think hits all of us on a really deep level. We want to be known. Brother, sister, or maybe unbeliever, if you're on the brink of believing, like, who knows you better than God? The one who made you. In our culture of, like, establishing our own identity and trying to gather followers for ourselves and to be known and we think that that's somehow eternal life. Jesus says, no, eternal life is not that everybody knows you. It's that you know me. Mind-blowing. It's not that everybody follows you. It's that you follow me. And I just love the way the prayer ends. As he says, I've made your name known to them. And will make it known so that the love which you 
loved me with which you love me may be in them and I in them. We don't need Gnosticism. We don't need deeper, mystical, secret knowledge. Jesus is plainly making the Father known to us. It is very plain what the Lord wants us to know in Scripture. And we need to know God. And that in knowing God, um, the love that the Father has for His own Son is in us. That's just awesome. I don't, I don't know what else to say about that. So if you ever need comfort, come back to the Upper Room Discourse, especially this John chapter 17, where Jesus is praying for you. And I don't think there's any better person that we could have praying for us. You know, he is the one mediator between God and man. He is our great high priest. Go directly to Jesus. We don't need any other Gnostic ideas of other mediators where we have to kind of work our way up this line. Jesus wants to hear your prayer. He doesn't need some other spiritual entity delivering it to him or bending his ear or his will or anything like that. Go directly to the Father through the Son by the Holy Spirit. Jesus has already paved the way with his prayer here for you. So I hope you're enjoying this. I'll see you next time, John 18.